Amen. Thank you, Brother Bob, for leading us in that time of intercessory prayer. Well, good morning, church. As I mentioned today, we start a brand new series of sermons that will take us up through Thanksgiving. Uh, the the uh, title of this sermon series is Today is the Day. Today is the Day. That's a phrase that for many of us is a familiar Phrase. It's certainly uh, represented in a number of places of Scripture. Uh, we see, for example, in 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verses 1 through 2, Paul is writing to the church about receiving the grace of God and says that at just the right time, God heard you. On the day of salvation, He helped you. Indeed, the right time is now. Today is the day of salvation. We see the writer of Hebrews a number of times that calls upon the people of God to react, to act today. Uh, Hebrews 3 and 13 says that we're to encourage one another while it is still called today. Uh, Hebrews 4 and 7, the writer of Hebrews says today, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. All throughout Scripture, when God calls us, uh, He calls us to respond today, now, in this moment. And this series is going to just remind us of some things that we need to be reminded of from time to time, and that is that uh, life is short, that tomorrow is not promised. And so today is the day to make Jesus Lord and Savior. Can I hear an amen? Yeah, today is the day. Don't put off to tomorrow what you, what we must do today. Today is the day reminds us that we're to live with urgency, that we're called again to recognize that each moment's a gift from God, that God is commanding the beating of your heart. And we want to make the most out of every day, every moment he's given us. We're going to go ahead and dive in this morning with the first text that will lead us in this series, and it's found in the book of James. So if you have a Bible, go ahead and turn with me there to James chapter 4 this morning. James chapter 4, and we're going to be in verses 13 through 17. James chapter 4, and verses 13 through 17. The book of James is a book written by, uh, we, we, we believe, uh, the brother of Jesus, so not the, the, the one of the twelve disciples, but the brother of Jesus who wound up being the pastor of the Jerusalem church and who was not even a believer during the earthly ministry of Christ. It was not until the resurrection, he kind of had to see it to believe it, that his brother Jesus was the Messiah. But he came to give his life to Christ believing that his brother was Messiah, God in the flesh, and uh, he became a pastor of the Jerusalem church, and we believe is the James that wrote the book of James. So James chapter 4, verses 13 through 17. The Word of God says this, Now listen, you who say, Today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city. We'll spend a year there and we'll carry on business and we'll make money. Why, you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. 
Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and we'll do this or that. As it is, you boast and brag. All such boasting is evil. Anyone then who knows the good that he ought to do and doesn't do it, sins. Now, the first thing that I want us to notice from this passage here this morning is just the challenge of the truth of life. I want us to be challenged about the truth of life. First thing that I want us to notice, though, before that, first things first, I want us to notice this warning here. Verse 13 of your Bible, I want you to notice that this is a warning. Those words in verse 13, now listen. They're words used throughout Scripture, popular phrase, for when you really, really want to get somebody's attention. In the Greek, there's much force with this phrase. Now listen, and it sets up a serious warning that I believe James is giving to those in the church whose priorities are not right. James knows who he is addressing, and he's addressing, I believe, what we would call the the business people of our day. Uh, These were the business people in the church who did not have their priorities straight. James knew about them. Uh, James is charging them here against being boastful about the quest to plan ahead and to not put God in those plans. For, for their main priority to be just making money. The people we might have in mind here that James is addressing when he says, Now listen, you who say, today or tomorrow we'll go do this or that, spend a year there, carry on business, make money. The kind of people that James is addressing is likely the people that that there's a disconnect between their faith and their life. They kind of flip a switch. They come to church on Sunday morning, but, but they flip a switch and there's somebody completely different when they walk out those doors. They're not the people Monday through Saturday night that they are on Sunday morning. God's will and God's plan for their life is not number one, Number one for them is making money. It's gaining and creating wealth, and God is not even in the picture. That's who James is addressing. I want you to notice that he says that this is an unwise way to live, and here in this text he gives us two reasons why. As they play God, so to speak, right? Writing to people who play God by setting their own schedule, selecting their own path, placing their own limits upon their plans, arranging their own activities, predicting their own outcome. James says there's a couple of reasons why it's so unwise to do this and why we would be unwise to be these kind of people. Number one, it's because life is uncertain. Life is uncertain. Uncertain. Look at verse 14 of your Bible. To these folks who are planning without God, whose number one priority is making money by what they're going to do in the next year, he writes to them and says, Why, you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. It's a reminder to these men. It's a reminder to us 
that none of us has the power to control the future. None of us has the wisdom to know what the future holds. Unlike God, we can't see into next year. We can't see into tomorrow. God's omniscient. He knows he's already there. We can't. We don't know what's waiting for us even tomorrow. We don't know that we'll even wake up tomorrow. We may stand before our Lord today. We're all just a heartbeat away from standing before our Creator. And we desperately need to be reminded that, that life is uncertain. And so God's got to be in the center of it. God's got to be in the middle of it for me to be in God's will. Never know how long our life is going to last. It's, it's, a, it's, un, it's an uncertain thing. I read a story some time ago that I found fascinating that illustrates that we, we, don't, we don't know how much longer we have. We don't know how long we're going to live. It's a story that comes from France. True story. You're going to think it's not, but true story. It was covered at first in the Chicago Tribune. Uh, a guy by the name of Andre Refray, all right, found some upscale apartments that he wanted in France. And they were elite, top of the lines, where everybody wanted to be. Well, he wanted to be there, but the waiting list was just forever. So the owner of the apartment started contracting where, where you, could, you could work up an agreement with someone who already lived in the apartment. You could work up a contract, and if you'd pay a few hundred dollars a month, you could have rights to that apartment when they left or... Uh, it, it, in the case of someone who's older, uh, perhaps they pass away, and that's your apartment. Well, Andre Refray uh, worked out a deal with a 90-year-old woman by the name of Jean Calment, and he contracted with her to take over her apartment when she passed away. The only problem with Jean Calment is that she lived, listen, at the age of 90, he sat down and created this contract, Jean Calment lived to be 120 years old. And so for 30 years on this contract, he was paying a few hundred dollars a month to someday have her apartment when she passed away. Uh, when she turned 120 years old, uh, there in Arles, France, she was the oldest person in the world at that time. I love what she, she had a good time with it too. So for 30 years, he's making these payments and he can't even live in the place. I love what she did. She started after about her 110th birthday, she started sending him cards every year on her birthday saying, I'm sorry, I'm still alive. <laughs> We never know how long we're going to live. And that's why to make plans and to not include God in those plans is an unwise, it's a foolish way to live. Rather, what James would like them to do is make sure they're living according to God's will and saying, God, I want your will, I want your plan to be done in my life. When, when we're seeking God, when we're in a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, we can relax, 
we can be at peace. Because here's the deal, while none of us know what tomorrow holds, when we know Jesus, we know the one who holds tomorrow. Huh? Amen? And so James is encouraging. James is challenging them to not plan without God. To, to, to not look out at the next year and not include or think about God's will or God's plan for their life because life is so uncertain. There's something else we would do well to get from this passage here as to why that we don't want to plan without God or play God. Life is brief. Did you notice that? Look with me in your Bible if you would here as we move forward in verse 14. James says, what is your life? Look at that, verse 14. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. You're a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. It is likely that word mist, uh, it, could, it could be that James is thinking of the, the morning Jerusalem fog, a, a mist of sorts. And it might be that he's thinking about how brief that that morning fog is there, uh, driven away once that hot Jerusalem sun comes up. We, we might think about the, the fog that we wake up to here sometimes and how it's here and it's thick and it's dominant and then it vanishes away. We might also think about uh, seeing our, our breath on a very frigid day and, and seeing our, our breath just uh, uh, come out in this uh, cloud and then just kind of vanish and just kind of dissipate in just a few seconds. The point is that we're not here very long, especially when you look at eternity, that we're made forever, that we're going to spend forever in one of two places. We're going to be in heaven or we're going to be in hell for all eternity Life is short. My friends, I don't care if you live to be 120 years old. Those that reach the top ages when I talk to them say, it seems just like yesterday that I was graduating from high school. Life is brief. And, and this, this, this verse of Scripture, I understand on Sunday morning, we may not put it, in the category of the most uplifting and most encouraging verses that we could ever read, huh? Life is short. You're a mist that you're here and then you vanish away, right? I, how many of you have that verse on your refrigerator as a magnet? Let me see you, huh? Not, not, not many of you, right? That's not necessarily a verse I want to look at every single morning. I don't want it up on my mirror. I'm a mist. I'm here for a short time and I vanish away. So that's not the most encouraging verse in the Bible but it's an example of how the truth sometimes challenges us. And the truth will, according to Jesus, the truth will set us free. Because the only way for me to get the most out of every day of my life is to recognize I won't be here forever. And so if I can just get a hold of this, if you can just get a hold of this, that life is uncertain, that life is brief. I, I mean, if we can be captivated by that this morning, th then what I believe is going to happen is we're going to get a whole lot more out of each and every day of life if we live recognizing every day is a gift from God and tomorrow is not promised. 
In fact, some might do things today that they've been putting off till next week or next month or next year if they really got a hold of the concept that life is a gift, that today is a precious gift, that tomorrow is not promised. The truth is this. God's commanding every beat of your heart. You're not going to be here forever. Today is the day to do what God's calling you to do. Today's the day to, to be saved. The, the truth will set you free. Truth is not always easy to hear, but the truth always sets us free. Got an example some time ago how the truth, the truth is not always easy to hear. I went in to see, this is when we were in northern Kentucky, I went in to see um, a, an orthopedic doctor about some problems I was having with my knees. I was still playing basketball at a full pace, and I was starting to, uh, you, you know, even at that time in my, in my late 30s, I was starting to notice that the body, the muscles, the knees just weren't what they used to be. I had torn a meniscus in one knee from playing basketball, and I went in, and it looked like, from what it felt like, I had torn a meniscus in the other knee. And so I was talking to my doctor, and uh, I'll, I'll just be honest with you, when it comes to, to basketball, when it comes to basketball, I'm a whole lot like Michael Jordan. <laughs> Not in my skill set, <laughs> all right? Not in my skill set, but in that Michael Jordan had a hard time walking away from basketball. Y'all might remember he retired and then changed his mind. No, I don't want to retire. I want to come back and I want to play. And so I, that, that was me. I've had a hard time giving up the game of basketball. So I was in talking to this doctor and I was like, man, you got to get me better. I got to get back out on the court. Basketball is a big part of my life. I've just been noticing that when I play basketball, I'm, I'm hurting. My knees hurt. I'm in a whole lot of pain. And man, you just got to, we got to fix this. We got to get me back on the basketball court. And I'll never forget what he said to me. He said, you know what would really, really help you have less pain? And I said, absolutely. That's what I'm here for, right? Get me back on the court, doc. And I'm all ears. He said, what would really, really help you have less pain is if you'd lose some weight. A lot. <laughs> That's not what I wanted to hear. <laughs> Can I get an amen this morning? That's not what I wanted to hear. You know what I told him at the time? I'd like another opinion. I didn't want to hear that I needed to lose weight. I just, I just wanted to get back on the basketball court and not have all the pain that I was dealing with. But you know what? He was exactly right. Don't you thank God for our doctors and those that tell us the truth even when it hurts? Somebody say amen. We got doctors in the house this morning. Come on. Thankful for doctors that tell us the truth even when it hurts. That, that tell us what's best for us, even when it's not what we want to hear. Well, this verse that we're looking at, it's that kind of verse. I, I, I know it's not the most encouraging verse in the world. It can be a little bit discouraging, a little bit depressing. What are you? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes the truth and it's the truth that will set us free because if I can get a hold of that 
if I can get a hold of the fact that, that I don't know how much longer I have, you don't know how much longer you have, none of us are, are guaranteed or promised that we're going to live to be 90 or 100 or 120 years old like Miss Jean. If I can get a hold of that concept that my life is short, that life is brief, that tomorrow is not promised, then, then I just sense that what God's Word is driving us to see is that we're going to get most out of the life we have when we recognize it won't last forever. And tomorrow's not promised. And it's that foundation that James works off of to say, in light of this, here's how you ought to live. Would you look at it with me in your copy of God's Word? Verse 15. 15 through 17, and then we're going to close. 15 through 17. Instead... In other words, here's another, another path based on the fact that life is uncertain and life is brief. Instead, you ought to say, if it's the Lord's will, we'll live and do this or do that. As it is, you boast and brag and all such boasting is evil. Remember, I said James knows these guys. He knows they're arrogant. He knows their priorities are nothing, nothing but money, 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 money. And God's not in the midst of their life. Anyone then who knows the good he ought to do and doesn't do it sins. Look at that word knows in verse 17. That word knows in verse 17. It's a, it's a Greek word that has to do with a clear understanding of something. So, so an unfoggy understanding of something. And so... This, I believe, reveals the fact that, that he knows these are church guys. These are professing Christians. These are people who know better. Th these are people that know that Jesus ought to be number one, that God ought to be you know, right smack dab in the middle of their plans and their purpose. In other words, he's saying, you know better. Instead, instead of living in an arrogant way, he's saying, surrender to God's will. Surrender to God's plan. And by the way, church, this is more than just tacking on the phrase, if God wills, to everything we say. Can I get an amen? Nothing wrong with that. If you do that, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I'm just saying that I think James, as he's inspired by the Holy Spirit, he's calling on us to do more than just tack a phrase onto our sentences He's calling us to live with an attitude of God, your will be done in my life, period, no matter what. God, if there's things I need to get out of my life this morning, if there's sins I need to get out of my life, Lord, free me, convict me, turn me from them. Here we're reminded in verse 17 that sometimes our sins are things we ought to be doing and we're not doing. We call them the sins of omission. Sins of commission are the sins we commit. It's the things we do. Verse 17, James expands that. He says sins are also those things that you don't know or that you don't do that you know you ought to be doing. Here in this passage, we're just reminded that the number one thing in our life is making God number one putting Him in the center of my plans, where our plans are, are His plans and we're fully surrendered to Him. We need the Lord in our life. We, we face so many battles. We face so many adversaries, right? We face so many challenges. We know that each and every day we are up against this evil world, the influence of this world. We're up against our own flesh. 
We're up against the devil each and every day, and we need the Lord's help to stay in the will of God. And a big part of staying in the will of God is living according to God's Word and listening to the Holy Spirit and having those lines of communication clear. We need the Lord's help daily. Amen? We need His help daily. There's a battle out there. I love the prayer that someone prayed. Maybe you've heard this before. Does this summarize your life a little bit? Someone said, Dear Lord, so far today I've done pretty good. I haven't gossiped, haven't lost my temper, haven't been greedy, grumpy, nasty, selfish, or overindulgent. But I'm, and I'm really glad about that. But in a few minutes, God, I'm going to get out of bed and start my day. <laughs> and then from then on, I'm really going to need your help. And all God's people said, Amen. We are to be people who are passionate about God's will. And how do we know God's will? God's word. I have found that one of the biggest, one of the biggest keys to you finding God's will when it comes to where you're going to go to college, who you're going to marry, uh, what what's your career going to be, what you know, what's God's plan for your life on a day-to-day basis from there on out. Part of finding God in these mysterious ways is following the will of His Word, of being people who are putting the Word of God into practice and being people who are, again, listening to the Holy Spirit so those lines of communication are not broke down. We're listening to the Holy Spirit. We're putting God's Word into practice, and then we're going to find ourselves, I believe, hearing from God more clearly and being in the center of God's will. So this morning, as we draw to a close... As we consider the fact that life is uncertain and and life is brief, what would it be? Here's my question. What would it be that God is calling you to do today that you just don't need to put off tomorrow, knowing tomorrow's not promised? What is it? You ask, would you ask yourself that? Lord, in your heart, Lord, what is it? What is it that I need to do today? What is it that that can't wait till tomorrow? For some of us, it's salvation. It's recognizing that when our life's over, we're going to stand before God. And and there's going to be heaven and hell for all eternity waiting for us. And the only way we can go to heaven is through the blood of Jesus Christ, the power of His resurrection, trusting in Jesus to forgive and cleanse us from all of our sins. Aren't you thankful for the gift we have in Jesus this morning, church? It may be that some of you need to recommit your life. You're cold in your relationship with the Lord. You're not in the Word. You're not praying. You're not loving people like you should. And it may be that you need to recommit your life. Some of you may have issues in a, in a, in a, a critical relationship in your life, maybe with a family member, it may be a marriage. And you're heading down a path, and it's not good. And if you continue down that path, the path does not look good. Maybe today is the day for you to say, hey, we got to talk. we got to get some help. Maybe that you're facing an addiction of some kind and you're losing that battle. You can't put it off till tomorrow. You've you got to get right. You've got to get clean today. You've got to be where God wants you to be today. Some of you, maybe, maybe you've got young kids. And, and maybe you're just not spending the kind of quality time you should with them. Maybe you're not getting them to church as you should. Uh, may, maybe you're, you're not getting them in the presence of the Lord as you should. This would be a, a great day to say, listen, today is the day to recommit to having my kids in church, for me to be in church. What, what is it? Is it a conversation you need to have? 
Is it a visit you need to make, a phone call you need to, to, to make? Is it a card you need to write? Is it a conflict that you need to clear up? What is it today? Dwight Moody, as, and I'll close with this, Dwight Moody, great 19th century evangelist, by his own admission, made a mistake on October the 8th, 1871, a mistake that he determined he would never repeat again. That particular night drew his largest audience of a revival week. And his message was, what will you do with Jesus who's called Christ? At the end of that message, with one more night left, he concluded and said, now I'm going to give you all one day to think about that question. What will you do with Jesus who's called Christ? We're going to come back tomorrow night, and I'm going to give an invitation and you're going to have an opportunity to give your life to Christ. What will you do with Jesus? The soloists came up and began to sing, and that was going to close out the service that night. But before the final note, the music was drowned out by clanging bells and wailing sirens screaming through the streets. The great Chicago fire was blazing. In the ashen aftermath, hundreds were dead, and over 100,000 were without homes. And without a doubt, some who heard Moody's message had passed away in that fire. D.L. Moody reflect remorsefully over this tragedy, and D.L. Moody said, I will never, ever, the rest of my life, the rest of my ministry, I will never, ever give anybody else one more day to trust in Jesus because tomorrow is not promised. Would you bow your heads with me and close your eyes as we enter into a time of invitation? Tomorrow is not promised. It's not something to try to scare you with today, this morning. It's just the truth of God's Word. Again, not the most encouraging thing to consider, but it's something that you've got to embrace and believe and surrender to if you're going to get the most out of your life. With heads bowed and eyes closed, what is it you need to do today? What is it you need to do right now that does not need to wait for tomorrow? If you're here and you do not know where you'll spend eternity, you can know. The Bible says in John 3.16 that God so loved the world that He gave His one and His only Son, Jesus Christ, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. You can call on Him and call on His name right where you're at. With heads bowed and eyes closed, you can say, God, I believe You love me. God, I believe You died for my sin. Jesus, I believe You rose again on the third day. I'm sorry for my sin. I turn from my sin. And Jesus, I turn to you. Forgive me of my sins. Wash me from sin. And help me live for you. Lord, thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Some of you maybe said that prayer this morning. Maybe called on the Lord and you sense something spiritually has happened to you. You've been born again. Hey, tell somebody about it. Let us know this morning. Our invitation time is a time for you to respond to the Word of God. I'm not going to give you a day to think about the claims of Christ because I don't know that tomorrow is, is yours. I don't know that's a gift that any of you know, I can't promise that on anybody's life, including my own. I can't promise I'm going to wake up tomorrow. And so 
the most important thing that you can know in this moment is, are you saved? Are your sins forgiven? Is heaven your home? If not, why in the world would you leave and have that unsettled? If you're here and you say, well, I, I don't know. I don't know if I'm saved. Then you're not where you need to be. Because I believe the Bible teaches and preaches a no-so salvation. We can know we're saved if we've committed our life to Christ. This morning, if God's speaking to you, if you have a decision to make, you need to be saved, recommit your life, join with this church body. Don't wait on somebody else because today is the day. Today needs to be your day. Let's stand. Let's sing. Let's worship. Let's respond. You come if God's calling.